0: Welcome to the True True Condos Podcast Podcast. with Andrew LaFleur, the place to get the truth on the Toronto condo market and condo investing in Toronto.
1: Hi, and welcome back to the show. On today's show, we have George Karas, the president of RealNet, and we'll get to that interview in just a minute. George is one of the real leaders and um, I guess you could say one of the smartest guys in the room when it comes to the real estate markets in Canada, but specifically Uh, in the GTA. So George will be talking to us about some uh, macro and and micro trends that are happening in the market. And we'll get to that interview in just a minute. But huge news out this week is that the Bank of Canada, uh, to many people's surprise, if you listen to this podcast, then you're probably not surprised at all, because I've been talking about this for a long time. But uh, to many people's surprise, the Bank of Canada has in fact lowered their prime lending rate by uh, 25 basis points. So once again, the story over the past year or two has been, um, everyone get ready, interest rates are going up, interest rates are going up, everyone brace yourself for this uh, new reality, this shock to the market, uh, things are going to change soon, the days of cheap money are gone. Um, you know, This kind of thinking has, uh, has really been in the media headlines for a long time now. And what's happened, basically, is that the oil prices have completely collapsed, and that's really threatening certain aspects of the Canadian economy. And so the government, uh, sorry, the Bank of Canada has responded by actually lowering the interest rates from uh, 3% to 2.75 for the prime lending rate. So... Uh, you know, if, if you are, uh, if you are a investor, that is great news. Uh, money just got cheaper. Your buying power just increased. And if you are a mortgage holder, uh, variable mortgage holder, you are very happy. Myself, I'm always, I always go with variable mortgages and I always, um, encourage my clients to do the same. And uh, I was looking at my statements actually just today. My mortgage rates, it looks like they vary currently from 2.1% to 2.5%. And presumably, um, the banks follow suit, which they usually do with what the Bank of Canada does, then uh, as of tomorrow, my mortgage rates will be going down to uh, 1.85%, up to about 2.25% being you know the highest mortgage rate that I'm paying which is making me uh, very happy as an investor my cash means my cash flows are going to improve um, more money in my pocket every month and uh, it just means that my bottom line ROI on these investment units that I have just got a little bit better which is always a good thing um so once again, my advice to anybody who's looking for a mortgage um for your investment condo go variable um you you certainly will not regret it um there's different philosophies on you know variable versus fixed, but my personal one is always go variable and we can talk more about that in future episodes and we'll try to get some mortgage brokers on to um share some opinions on that classic question of variable versus fixed but for me um, there really is no question. You always want to go variable, um, and that is how you're going to get the best rates and save the most money and get the best cash flow in the long run. Okay, so that's uh, that, you know, that's really the big news of the week. We're going to now get to the interview with George Kerris from RealNet Canada, and here it is. Welcome to the True Condos Podcast with Andrew LaFleur, the place to get the truth on the Toronto condo market and condo investing in Toronto. Okay, it's my pleasure to welcome to the show, George Karas. George is the president of RealNet Canada. Welcome to the show, George.
0: Thanks, Andrew. Good to be here.
1: Um, So why don't we get started? I want you to tell everybody a little bit about yourself, um, who you are, your company, and how did you get started in the real estate industry?
0: Uh, it's a long story, but I'll, I'll keep it real short. We, um, so I started RealNet uh, back in 1995. Um, I'm a civil engineer by uh, profession. Um, and I'd say, uh, you know, passion for both uh, real estate and technology and uh, realized that there in 1995 was a better way to inform property markets than was, was taking place at the time. Uh, and it's been an absolute, you know, passion uh, to continuously... Improve um, the level of information and the decision making across the property markets, both here in Toronto and across Canada. Uh, and we've been working on that mission for the last 20 years. Last year, uh, uh, RealNet um, uh, was sold to the Altus Group, so now a, a large, uh, publicly traded um, uh, company. And uh, the mission now is uh, continues and continues to grow at a at a, a higher rate.
1: Great. And sort of um, maybe take us back in, in time if you would, like, how did you, like, what were you doing before real estate? Were you always in real estate from day one? Or like what, what was the sort of genesis to get into what you're doing?
0: Well, you know, I think I was uh, on the, in development. Uh, so as a civil engineer, worked in, uh, in construction, in development, and, uh, and, and there in the development capacity, you know, uh, working in various forms, so uh, Commercial residential you know, condominium development, you kind of realized was a, there was a better way to do things and um, that's when you know as an entrepreneur you kind of quit your day job and started running with ideas that uh, you thought could make a, a difference and, and you stick to it uh, so that was uh, you know my early days were really as a civil engineer in, in the development industry
1: okay um, now breaking news just today that we just found out about is uh, is the bank of Canada just announced a rate cut much to many people's surprise. They just dropped the the, the rate by a point, you know, 25 basis points. What's your take on that? Did that catch you by surprise? Did you see it coming? Um, and how is that going to affect the, uh, GTA real estate market?
0: Well, I think what, um, you know, you're, I would see that as a, uh, obviously a, a positive, uh, outcome, Uh, for price growth, but that isn't necessarily uh, a positive thing. Uh, I think what's important is what the response to that's going to be by, um, you know, uh, people's expectations uh, of of future rates. Because a rate today um, isn't necessarily going to be a rate uh, five years from now. So I think um, a a lower rate. Um, will cause prices ultimately to, to rise, and that's something that you got to be mindful of not for today's decisions but how they impact uh, the situation say five years from now
1: okay, so just flesh that out a bit. I mean I think I know where you're going, but what does that mean for like the uh, let's say a condo investor who's looking at buying something today what um, what I, do you, what does that mean for them
0: so, so I think if you're that what it depends on the stage of investment so if you are buying a, uh, an asset that exists today, you can lock in your debt with, um, with the acquisition. So if it's a resale condo, um, you can, you can precisely, more precisely measure that. Uh, if it's a presale condo, well now I think what you're looking at is you know, the, the notion of when will you be making that commitment to, to buy, and if right. that's today, uh, when will that be coming on stream? Uh, and if that's three, four years from now, um, chances are, and who knows, I mean, you know, everyone's always like the crystal ball, like, chances are, though, that those rates, when, when you're going to be closing, will be higher, and now probably a quarter point, you know, down means that there's more uh, risk in the upside in the future five years. So I think the pre-con buyer um, should be very careful about um, how they utilize this low rate Mm-hmm. In making that um, in that futures decision.
1: Okay, I mean, you know, asking you to pull out your crystal ball a little bit, but uh, in your personal opinion, like, where do you think that uh, interest rates will rise significantly five years from now?
0: It is so hard to say. I mean, I, I don't think I'm, you know, at all qualified to to be making a forecast. I I just think in the grand scheme of things, if you're if you're a conservative investor, which uh, you know I would. I would tend personally to lean towards um, you, you know, your bet that you're going to get lower rates five years from now um, possible. I mean, you're seeing it in, 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 the Euro now where, you know, you're, you actually have to pay uh, to have the bank like negative your, interest rates to keep your money. Yeah. Um, so, you know, one school of thought could be, you know, the world is heading towards that and therefore rates can go lower, but you know, a a prudent, in my mind, a more prudent bet would be that you will see at some point, um, you know, rates um, you know, move up and I think especially in in a very complicated form of investment like pre-construction condominiums, uh, that's a major risk and I think people should be factoring a more conservative forecast of that going forward than an aggressive one.
1: Interesting, so Let's move on to uh, we just uh, we just came out of the um, your big annual uh, conference. So I forget the name of the the um, event yesterday.
0: Oh, the, real, the real insider event.
1: Real insider event. Yes, which was fantastic. Heard from a lot of great speakers. What were your sort of um, what were your sort of top three say takeaways from that event, or um, top three highlights for you on a, uh, from from all the information that was presented?
0: Well, I think. You know, clearly, summing it all up, I think what you you really are looking at, uh, and you have to be very careful about interpreting um, the market gauges, if you will. I think what we um, are now doing is entering in a new era
1: of the property markets. I think um,
0: you know GTA 3.0. Uh, right,
1: so that's, maybe we'll, we'll talk about that. The GTA 3.0 concept that you presented yesterday, what is that and what does it mean exactly? So I
0: think in looking at the... the um, uh, the GTA, if you uh, kind of put it into three, you know, categories, uh, you know, GTA 1.0 was the market that we had grown up with, um, you know, up until the introduction of uh, the provincial intensification policies in 2005, 2006 with the green belt and, and places to grow. Um, the last 10 years, um, and in fact, understanding the current results really is about um, these results being 10 years in the making. And and that is really the, the shift um, in, in land use policy and growth policy uh, to intensification, the grow-up, not-out approach mm-hmm. to the region's future, which was a plan in 2005. The last 10 years, um, the market was simply responding to the implementation of that plan. And the results today uh, are, are really... a. a Bit of an extremity uh, situation where you know on the on the new home market, and the new home market is the flow of uh, of you know new housing into into the stock. And you know if we think about it, every home or condo that exists today was at one point a new home or condo built in the then policy regime of the day. Uh, so looking at the flow today. Is very important to understand what the stock of housing is going to be in the future, and that future's GTA 3.0. So the, you now, though, in this era, intensification is not a plan; it is a reality, evidenced also uh, by the record number of condo completions, which we realized in 2014, and that too was a decade in the making. We, you know, we completed a record number of condos, and you backed that up because we had a record number that were being built, because we had a record number that were being sold, and because, you know, if you rewind that um, further, uh, it's because those are the choices that were available. Um, and that was really a result of uh, intensification policies, a shift towards more high-rise development, but away from the traditional uh, low-rise, ground-oriented, detached home uh, form of housing that this region grew up with. Uh, Through gta 1.0
1: Right, okay, so just to sort of summarize again what the concept is for everybody the gta 1.0 is sort of up until 2005 when the green belt was introduced essentially GTA 2.0 is is sort of the last 10 years what we've observed under the green belt policy um, Which has resulted in this major shift from primarily uh, low-rise development You know, being approximately 75% of the market, high rise being approximately 25%. And now, 10 years in, slowly we've seen this shift to the point where it's pretty much inversed. I don't know the exact numbers, I'm sure you you have them, but (laughs) it's something like, you know, uh, 70, 80% of the new homes are high rise versus 20, 30%. And if you get more precise,
0: Andrew, you're right. Like, I think if you looked at by product form, the condo apartment. Uh, was the number one selling new home product in the GTA last year. 50% of new home sales in, in the region uh, was in a, an apartment condo. Detached homes, 25%. So it was a, that's a two-to-one ratio. So for, you know f- uh, one out of every two new homes is now an apartment condo. That's, that's um, really significant. Uh, and they're now outselling detached two-to-one. Uh, that's an inverse of mm-hmm. what we would have seen pre-greenbelt, uh,
1: right? And so, three the next five or ten years, um, what do you see happen? Do you see uh, more and more and more intensification, more and more uh, shift towards specifically high-rise development, um, or do you see do you see uh, a consumer sort of backlash where they? They say, no, we, we, we demand more low-rise housing.
0: Uh-huh. Well, I think this is, this is really the uh, uh, tremendous opportunity we have together in 2015 to figure out what happens next because there, there's no they in this story. Uh, we are all in this together. Mm-hmm. Uh, consumers, the industry, and governments. Everyone, it, literally, <laughs> we're all in this housing you know, yeah. thing together. So what if we have to do is look back on the last 10 years and realize uh, what that has meant and where we're going. Um, there, there is an introduction now of uh, uh, a review by the provincial government of
1: uh, the results of Greenbelt and uh, places to grow. I think okay. this is a very important time so we're they're looking back at the 2.0 gta 2.0 yeah. let's see what happened and let's see exactly so maybe there will be new policies introduced for for gta 3.0 perhaps where we'll see the policies result in another shift do you have like what's your personal? i'm just curious what's your personal you know preference like what would you like to see happen for a healthy market moving forward
0: well i think one of the things we we really need is is some Better alignment in the policy framework, and there's a few things that are uh, that I mean by that. Um, The policy framework, you know, whenever you talk about uh, housing market policy framework, we always think about monetary policy, Mm -hmm. Um, but land use policy is a very important part of that. I think, and in that, there's a lot of complexity. You know, is it provincial? Is it uh, regional? Is it municipal? Is it local? And when you actually look at trying to implement that. There, there is a lot of friction um, in that process, and I think realigning that is going to be critical to the outcome. Streamlining that is going to be critical to the outcome. We, you know, it all ties together, including transit. Um, but then you also need uh, uh, an alignment between land use policies and monetary policies. If the way forward is truly about more high rise development, now that's you know, we haven't talked about this, but we should, uh, is the condition on the low-rise market, which is this this massive extremity condition between one form of housing and the other. But if we are going to have more uh, high-density homes, people should be aware of that. If that is the plan for the future, that should be extremely well communicated to the citizens, both now and the future, uh, of what they can be expecting. But also, the monetary policies uh, should be lining up. with. If we're going to have more high-rise development, then, you know, the um, um, the financial system should be,
1: you know, tuned to uh, help facilitate that. What might that look like exactly, specifically with high-rise development? What do you mean exactly, the financial system should be tuned?
0: Well, I I think there has been, and this is on on the industry side as well as the consumer side, I think, um, um, you know, you need more money, Andrew, in the system to build 300 units of housing vertically uh, than horizontally. So in the day, when you would have a 300-unit subdivision, right. the amount of you know, capital required on the industry side um, is less than it would be if you're building an, a new condo. Um, so the system needs more money to build them. And then on the other end, you know I think what we see here is, and this speaks to the condominium investor, is the uh, level of sophistication to really start to treat um, portfolio of uh, condominiums as uh, as a uh, a real um, I- investment portfolio uh, with the level of sophistication, access to debt capital that uh, an emerging asset class, which is really what condominiums are right now, mm-hmm. uh, would deserve. Mm-hmm. So we need to treat them. Uh, I feel like this is my Ray Kroc moment. You know, I didn't invent the condo, but I you know, you want to treat it, you know, very seriously. I was, you know, Ray Kroc's great line about the hamburger. Right. Um, you know, we need to, we need to do some of that. Uh, we need yeah. to look at this in a lot more sophisticated way
1: than we have. Hmm. Interesting. Um, let's shift gears again, back to uh, the insider event yesterday. Benjamin Tell from CIBC was one of the speakers there talking about sort of the macro picture of the economy. Um, one of the, points he was talking obviously a lot about right now is oil prices and how that affects how's it's going to affect things so what's your take on the you know new the, the falling oil prices and how that will affect uh, again the gta and specifically the condo market
0: well i think what what uh, ben was saying is that has a uh, you know a lower cost uh regime and it was a significant uh, impact um so it makes um, uh, the equivalent of your average particularly around the gas prices um you know it it takes uh cost out of the annual budget if you will Mm -hmm. so that actually yeah he
1: had an interesting stat he said something the effect of you know when you crunch the numbers the current price of oil reflected in lower gas prices and everything has an effect of i think he said it was about a 50 basis point drop in your typical canadian mortgage right so it's like cheaper gas equals your savings yeah. is equivalent to Have your mortgage worried. rate just went down half a percentage point for everyone. Right. And that
0: was, so I think what the, the, the one takeaway is that, you know, lower oil prices, um, you know, while, uh, you know, hurting the, uh, coffers of, uh, governments from, a, a tax perspective, from an individual household perspective, if you flow that through the cheaper cost of, you know, running things mm-hmm. um that's a that's a positive uh it's a positive thing mm-hmm. yeah
1: yeah i mean i think that's what I, the main thing i took out of it was he was saying everybody just needs to chill out a little bit and remember that uh cheap gas or cheap oil sorry is is all things considered cheap oil is a good thing for the canadian economy um it's it's not a bad thing we don't need to panic yes we Feel sorry for our brothers and sisters in Alberta, but uh, uh, overall, it's it is good for Canada.
0: The other thing I think that's interesting on that is the, the intra-provincial migration. I think what you you know you you also see is uh, you know the the migration west as a result of uh, you know the the energy sector uh, booming. Um, you know pauses at this moment, and things are moving so quickly, it's really hard to see. But that actually might um, you know turn the you know amount of uh momentum of population growth to this region back to ontario back up so what that ultimately means is more people more people you know the household from people need a place to live whether they own it or rent it so that uh, that too has uh you know maybe a bit of a um, spillover positive sub um you know subtitle to
1: it yeah um uh, on the mortgage markets, he, Benjamin Tell brought up a couple points. One was that mortgage principal payback. He had some stats to show that mortgage principal paydown by Canadians is at an all-time high. Um, and he also was saying at the same time, the subprime mortgage market is booming. Um, what uh, what's your interpretation of the, those kind of points that he was talking well,
0: about? Well, and on the last point, he said it was booming, but off a very small base. So ultimately, I think the point there was that there's uh, a materiality question of you know how important is that. Um, <clears throat> but uh, I think you know the, the real condition goes back to you know my, my point earlier of you need to treat this this um, uh, this condominium space as an emerging asset class. So it needs some of that um, thinking. And if this had an institutional flavor to it, there would be a lot more discipline in terms of the leverage used for that uh, investment. If you look at institutional investors, public investors, they have a lot of rigor in terms of how much leverage they choose to use Mm -hmm. in in acquiring hard assets. Mm -hmm. I think the same is really important there. And I think if you look at Ben's comment about Canadians overall uh, paying down debt. I think there's a uh, you know a drift to uh, fiscal prudence that you're seeing in that number, hmm. uh, and I think that that's extremely important as you look at the pre-construction condo space hmm. to maintain that uh, prudence uh, and to also uh, you know, think start thinking about how all of us you know this the entirety of the system start to treat that with. Uh,
1: then we it's an interesting point. Speaking of the uh institutional side, we've we've seen now the, this sort of trend emerging. I don't know if you've looked at it, but the institutional investors uh coming in and, and buying up entire condo buildings pre construction or um you know uh buying up huge chunks of buildings to, to, to use as rental stock. What's your you know, what are you seeing there? What what kind of what does that say about the market when you see that happening?
0: Great question. Um, I think one of the things that um, you can look back on the last, uh, you know, decade maybe two is that you know the, one of the roles of condominiums um, has been to you know supply rental stock into the rental market. You know, on the back of the you know individual condo investor, we've carried the growth in in the the rental stock. I think we're at a point now though that we are seeing. Institutional investors looking at um, you know moving into purpose-built rental in a in a more substantial way, mm-hmm. and I think what we have typically thought of as purpose-built rental uh, and competing condominium investment competing with that is is not going to be what lies ahead. Uh, I think what you'll see from these institutional investors in the lifestyle and uh, the quality. Uh, and and quite frankly, in their capability of of delivering this new purpose built uh, you know format, mm-hmm. will be very competitive with uh, you know the the condo equivalent. So I think the institutional investors you say, well, why are they you know doing this now? And part of that is because when you look at cap rates. So if you're an institutional investor, you like hard assets. You really like apartments because you know you can align with inflation on an annual basis versus say holding an office building. Where you've got a five-year uh, you know, term on your rents, so you like the space, and instead of having to to pay dearly for it, if and when those apartment buildings come to market, to, you know, on a very low cap rate, you're prepared to take some of the development risk because you're a large institution, um, and to build that uh, income stream,
1: build it yourself as opposed to like you said, like buying an existing building requiring. Much more capital is that what you mean?
0: Or low cap rates? So I mean, if you're going to buy a a a new apartment building, you know, really doesn't exist. Um, But the even the old apartment buildings that are trading now are trading in the GTA with uh, you know very low cap rates. Like it's not uncommon. The average cap rate across GTA we uh, track was five point one percent. That's across the GTA. But Mm -hmm. I mean, when you start to look at you know better uh, urban markets, you know, those cap rates can have a four, they can have a three in front of them. Wow! So you're seeing really aggressive, uh, low cap rates. So the thesis around the institutional investor is instead of, you know, coming away and paying dearly for that, they, their yield expectation, you know, can move up, could double, uh, if you Build it yourself essentially? Build it. That's right.
1: Right. Wow.
0: So the (coughs) rental, I think that's the situation that might be a little different going forward is that you will see um, you know more i 'd say better quality purpose built rental um, coming you know into the space because there's a there's a capital supply that's available there there's an investment rationale that is that is there, and I think uh, you know've we've, we've got to keep and, and one is not better than the other like I think this is where markets determine mm-hmm. you know what what is the best outcome, but I think if you 're the you retail investor, you have to be, you know, clearly aware of what's happening in and around the specific uh, project that you now have, mm-hmm. um, and that you are thinking of buying, um, so that you know everything. Right. Right.
1: Um, different topic altogether, but a great, interesting point that you brought up yesterday. Basically the question is why are there no condos on the Danforth?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's right. So we, we showed uh, an interesting thematic map on, uh, you know, uh, we drew a little 500 meter radius around each subway station that exists today and it's planned, and then looked at um, you know, how much of the counter development in, in the GTA in Toronto, uh, you know, occurred inside of that 500 meter radius, so how much is really yeah. on subway, and then, you know, you saw that there's this
1: you saw a lot of bubbles on the map, all up and down Young Street, University Ave, the University Line, and then you saw just this long subway line going out east, the Danforth Line, with nothing on with it. With nothing,
0: yeah. And I, so I think part of that, talk, talking about the alignment of um, policies. So think about this: you have a provincial government that says "grow up, not out," um, but that has to get you know uh, cascaded through. Uh, regional governments and municipal governments, and that obviously, in this case, is in the City of Toronto, uh, which has a also changing um, landscape in uh, uh, official plan and zoning. Um, but this is where, you know, the NIMBYism, see how powerful NIMBYism is. Uh, you have a, a, an area which really has resisted that form of, of development, um,
1: Very successfully. (laughs) And there's the proof.
0: Um, So I think this is the question now that we have to come together, all of us, Mm -hmm. uh, and say, like, where, and Danforth being one. Yeah, uh,
1: just an an example. But, yeah, we see this massive transit line, um, and everyone's fighting and fighting for more transit because the existing, you know, essentially because the Yonge Street line is so congested, we're saying we need a relief line, we need other ways to get into the financial center, the you know, the financial district, essentially, um, but nobody's really saying, well, what if we just took our existing rapid transit lines that have, you know, very little employment and very little intensification on them? And if, what if we made, you know, new nodes for, as a solution to, you know, the, the gridlock issues in the city?
0: And I think that, and there is the opportunity, I think, uh, I, I, but I think there's, uh, an importance to also understand the capacity of that existing infrastructure. So, I mean, in in theory, if you did redevelop the Danforth um, and you got those people on the Blue Danforth line, you know, they got to have to connect, uh, you know, to get onto the Young University line, and there's a there's a finite capacity that already exists there. Hence, the need for, um, you know, the downtown relief line. But I think you you know, there's an observation there that says in 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 the analysis that we did, there's twofold. One is only 41% of the the condo development was actually on a subway which you know if you're going to you know score us together that's an f you know we 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 really you know didn't make it on that context but it also says that you're seeing intensification you're seeing uh that take place not just along subways but in other parts of the city and the region as well uh i think the other takeaway is when you looked at the the response the investor market response in the in the opening months if you were on subway, um, our stat showed that the uh, uh, initial month sales across the region in, f- in 2014, 72 percent, uh, versus 43 percent if you were off subway. So there's clearly a lot more demand if you're in that 500 meter, you know, uh, radius from the subway, mm-hmm. um, and and the market gets that instantly uh, in the opening of that project versus, you know, being off that subway. Right.
1: Um- Let's talk about the something that you, you talk about a lot is this sort of relationship between the low-rise market and the high-rise market, and the fact is that the the gap the price gap between the low low-rise pricing and high-rise pricing is at an all-time highs as, as you talked about yesterday. Average price gap is now what two hundred and fifty-one thousand 50, yeah. um, dollars. Compare that to just so people have context, it's two hundred and fifty-one thousand dollar gap today. What was it? Ten years ago, say. You would have seen around. that
0: gap. And, and the interesting thing here is the, what's causing that um, widening.
1: Yeah, what's, know, uh, yeah. What, what is the story behind the story here?
0: The, and and it, it all comes back to GTA 2.0. The, 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 basically, the price of the homes that we're making more of, high rise, are flat, relatively flat. And the price of the homes that we're making less of are rising. And therein lies this gap, uh, historically, and that took us, um, you know, by the introduction of the plan, it took five years for this, the kind of supply, if you will, you know, the gas that was in the tank, so to speak, to start to you know really run out, right. and then the extremity condition really kicked in about three years ago, where the gap, which historically moved, um, you know, in unison, so if low rise home went up, price went up. High-rise price went up. And both those kind of were separated by a gap of about $75,000. And that was a very consistent, consistent gap. gap, plus right. or minus, but that was the gap. Um, and, and since um, 20, uh, end of 2011, you, you really started to see that gap widen and widen and widen and widen. And the reason it's widening isn't because condo prices are dropping. They're actually holding relatively flat. We're up, you know, this year uh, 4%. Some of that is really compositional based on size. It got a little bigger uh, this year. Um, but most of that's because the low rise price is now increasing and constantly increasing. And the framework that's in place now um, shows no sign of that changing. Mm-hmm. So the, the gap here, and I think if you did a, a compare, Know, to say a Vancouver, you know, and Vancouver would be a very similar um, important one for us to look at because a it's a Canadian city, uh, and it's probably about fifteen years ahead of Toronto from an intensification perspective. The gap in Vancouver it's not two fifty. That's where they were ten years ago. That gap is now closer to you know seven fifty, wow. uh, you know, perhaps eight hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> so I think we got to be really like so. Therein lies, you know the question that we do have we to Do we want to become Vancouver or do in we want to do something else? And it is up to everyone. And this is why you know, a better informed stakeholder, uh, and we're all in it together, better informed governments, better informed industry, and better informed consumers, um, very powerful to drive the outcome of what we're going to see. And Andrew, I think this is you know, one really great opportunity, if, if I could just share my you know, market formula here Please for do. everyone, yeah. is you know, it's very simple. Outcome, and this is my, the engineer in me, outcome yeah. equals event plus response. People always look at the events of the day and think that that's the outcome. Uh, that's only half the, the answer. What's more defining, and this is hugely powerful, because you can control 100% of the outcome that you, um, um, that you do. So the, the response to this condition now individually And collectively is going to be what you know determines what does twenty twenty five look like.
1: Well, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what, like you said, how we do respond to to that. Um, Just to not to put you on the spot, but you get asked a lot of questions by media and different interviews and things. Is there one question though that no one has ever asked you? but that you wish that they would either about yourself or about uh the company or about the market is there something that we're missing that no one's asking that you wish that people would ask more
0: i am yeah, a uh, pretty transparent guy I, I think uh uh and, and it's, a, it's a good question uh but i think you know we've we've said a lot um and i don't think there's anything that's really not uh uh you know that's kind of hidden that we're you know you know not telling anybody And I think there's a lot of there's been some really good questions um, asked. Um, So there's nothing that's coming that's jumping to mind that uh, you know we haven't talked about. There's a lot to talk about. I don't know if we've we've covered it all here, but I I I, uh, I think there's uh, you know we're all in it together is the is the main message. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, that's great. Um, If people want to find you, get a hold of you, or or um, get a hold of RealNet, what's what's the best way to to do that?
0: Well, I think, um, depending on what they're, they're trying to do, ultimately, I think the, f- the facts that RealNet, uh, you know, researches and, um, uh, you know, the, the information there, the best way uh, is to, you know, contact uh, yourself or, a, you know, a TREB member. I think that by, m- by most um, effective channel, because, you know, you're informed, you have the perspective and you have the ability to help interpret the results of that, uh, you know, to people. Um, if it's, you know, Hey, I'd like to learn more about, you know, the company, um, www.realnet.ca is, is the, is the best bet. And, um, you know, that'll, that'll take it to, you know, that'll help route you to where you need to, uh, great to go. Great.
1: Um, we'll be sure to include a link to, to that on the web, on the show notes for this episode, George, I want to thank you again very much for your time today. And, and thanks for doing this interview with us. And I hope we can have you on the show again soon. Thanks, Andrew. It's great to be here.
0: Um good luck, good decisions in twenty fifteen and
1: uh look forward to it. Great. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Welcome to the True, True Condos Podcast
1: with Andrew LaFleur, the place to get the truth on the Toronto condo market and condo investing in Toronto. Okay, there you have it. That was my interview with George Karis from RealNet, president of RealNet. Thank you very much, George, for that great interview. I hope you enjoyed it, uh the listener out there listening to this show. And once again, I appreciate your support, appreciate your kind words and emails and um, your reviews that you've left for this show. Uh, Once again, for the show notes on this episode, which will contain links to some of the things we were talking about, just head on over to truecondos.com slash George and you'll find the links will be there. Thanks very much for listening. Have a great week and happy investing.